As most of you probably already know, in a few short days, I'm headed up to the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, New York, where I'll take command of the West Point Band. That band's mission is to support the Corps of Cadets, and that support takes many forms. One of the most important is supporting the ceremonies, the myriad ceremonies that, that happen there on the campus, and support those ceremonies with music. One of the most important ceremonies of the year, as you might imagine, is the annual graduation ceremony. It's a really high-profile event, usually uh, garners national media attention, and invariably has as a guest speaker a figure of national prominence, often the president or the vice president. The command team, the current command team, uh, was very gracious to me and had me up last weekend, last Saturday, for the graduation ceremony. Since the band plays such an important role in that, they wanted to make sure that I kind of had one under my belt, was able to see how things work, so that I didn't mess it up next year. The guest speaker for this year was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley. In his address to the graduates, he spoke at length about the current security situation around the world and the challenges that our Army's newest second lieutenants will face. But at the end of his speech, he took a few moments to talk about the why of the responsibility these young women and men these new officers were about to assume. He did so by delivering a message that I've heard him deliver a number of times before, as you might imagine, up in DC. Uh, he's very often the guest speaker at ceremonies that we, the band there, had supported. So I've heard him give this speech a number of times. He keeps reusing it, but it's okay because it's really powerful and incredibly poignant. I don't know if you've ever heard uh, him speak on the news or testify before Congress, but he's this big, burly guy with a bit of a Boston accent. And he doesn't speak, he barks into the microphone. Don't tell the boss I said that. <laughs> and he always begins this speech by saying, it doesn't matter if you're black or white, male or female, gay or straight or something in between. And he goes on to list all of these differences. But then says what really matters, what really matters is that we're all Americans. Quoting our country's founding documents, he reminds his audience that we are all created equal and that we are in with inalienable rights. It's a really good speech. You can actually find it in several versions on the internet, and I, I highly encourage you to go find it and listen, listen to it. So as I was preparing this homily, it dawned on me that what General Milley says in that speech really relates to our gospel today. 
In John's Gospel, Jesus is praying that not only his small group of disciples, but that all who hear them and believe may be one. One in Jesus and one in the Father. And he's talking about us here and now. That got me to thinking. So exactly what does Jesus mean by us being one? I think our human tendency when we hear that word and we think about that concept is to think homogeneously. We think on what we have in common or the rules that tell us who's in and who's out. And that kind of becomes exclusionary. So I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. I don't think that because God, I don't think that because God created a, a world rich in diversity. Not one of sameness, not one that's homogenous. If you think about it, there's very little that's homogenous in creation. Think of the myriads upon myriads of plant and animal species. Think of the fact that of the nearly 8 billion people on the face of the world today, no two are exactly alike. In Genesis chapter 1, in that beautiful story of creation, we hear God creating all the various aspects of the world. And as he creates each aspect, as he creates every single creature, God pronounces them good. So my first thought was, the boss is right on. General Milley's right on target with our reading today. That we could simply replace Americans with children of God or followers of Jesus. There's my homily. Easily done. However, there was this little voice, maybe the Holy Spirit, that kept nagging me, saying, something is missing here. It's not, that's not quite it. It bothered me so much that I avoided sitting down to actually write the homily until yesterday. And even yesterday, I got up, and I'm like, okay, I've got to sit down and do this. I'll go for a run first. I'm glad I did. Because as I was out there running along the bay, it came to me. I realized that it actually does matter. It matters whether we're black or white, male or female or transgender, gay or straight, Protestant, Catholic, Democrat, Republican, Jewish, Muslim, atheist. All of those differences matter because God created all of us and every aspect of who we are. 
And God pronounces that good. God doesn't want us to deny our uniqueness as God created us, as a condition of being part of God's family. No, God wants us to celebrate the rich and wonderful diversity that makes up this beautiful human family. If we can avoid, and herein lies the real challenge, that human tendency to fall into the wrong belief that one of these things is somehow better than another. If we can believe that God created all of these things equally in God's goodness, then we can indeed rejoice in the wonders and the wonderful diversity of God's creation. So it does matter exactly who you are. Whatever your race, ethnicity, whatever your gender, your sexual orientation, your political belief, each and every one of us is a beautiful creation and pronounced good by God. So then, what binds us together? What makes us one? How do we get to this oneness that Jesus talks about today? I think Jesus gives us the answer in today's gospel and throughout scripture. It's love. In today's gospel passage, Jesus tells us that the love the Father and He have for one another will fill those of us who follow Him. Earlier in chapter 13 of John, Jesus says that His disciples will be known by the world, be known to the world, by their love. In the three synoptic gospels, Jesus responds to a lawyer's question about which is the greatest commandment by saying there are two. Love God with your whole heart, your whole soul, and your whole mind, and love one another as yourself. One of the main reasons I am so grateful for my time here among you at Christ and St. Luke's is that you as a community embody this concept of oneness. I've watched you practice what some might call radical inclusion. Everyone who walks through those doors is welcome. They are honored as unique individuals, and you let them know that they have a place at this table with us and everyone else. Next week here at the 1015 Liturgy, you will welcome some new members to God's family by celebrating the sacrament of baptism. As a part of that rite, you'll have the opportunity to renew your own baptismal vows.
And in doing so, you will promise once again to seek and serve Christ in every person, loving your neighbor as yourself. And you will promise to respect the dignity and to work for justice and peace for every human being. That, my sisters and brothers, is the way we find unity. I invite you to spend some time this week reflecting on those promises. Then when you come together next week and renew them publicly and corporately, they might have deeper meaning. In doing so, you will collectively renew your commitment to seeking the oneness that is the hallmark of this beautiful community and of the children of God. Thank you. Thank you for your radical welcome of me and for loving me during my time here. As I depart, my ongoing prayer for you will be that this parish family continue to be a place where all feel valued and treasured and can be uplifted and supported in their unique journeys to discover God in their lives. May you continue to be a shining city on a hill and a beacon of hope for our community and for the world. <laughs>